Welcome to episode 637 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 637 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Happy Labor Day to you, Bevan. Oh, you know me, mate. I'm always working hard. Yeah. Did you have a Labor Day? I did not have a Labor Day. Uh, so I was, I was labouring. What were you doing? Well, I was labouring in front of my computer and I was uh, labouring with my kids this afternoon. <laughs> that's and that's now I'm labouring into the evening. We're doing a Monday night session. It's normally pretty weird we do a Monday night. And normally if we do a Monday night, it's normally a Skype session. But John made the effort to come around. You wanted to get away from the kids today. I'm committed. <laughs> I one too many Nerf gun battles today. Oh, do you like a Nerf gun? We had a good, good, few, good few battles today. How many bullets you got? Not enough. That's the problem, isn't it? You mm. do need a lot of those bullets. I'm talking is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few, Jumbo. Peter, the insider, Colson. We've got Michael, don't back down, Baker. And Tom, the distinctive bland. Okay, John, this week's show, we've got a little bit of news. Uh, we've got a hot topic of the week. We are going to be talking with an interview with who? We're going to have, uh, who are we going to have? We're going to have Ken Glar on today. Okay, Ken We've Glar got a few is. interviews we did over in Kona that we're going to use over the next couple of weeks. So, uh, Ken Glar, and we talk, obviously, it's post-race now. He now has completed 35 consecutive Ironman, which is pretty blimmin' phenomenal, if you ask me. But uh, we talk about kind of his career more than kind of the latest Hawaii in the interview. Uh, we have Winger of the Week and questions and answers at the end. John, doing Monday night, 8 p.m., that's what we've got written down here. We are. Yep, you're right. I'm we on time. 8.03. On the dot. So news. Um, we've got a few races to talk about here, but there does seem to be a common theme about swimming lately, doesn't it? It's there? not good. And, and uh, so some of these races were two weeks ago because we were over in Kona. But uh, yeah, we'll go through that in a second. First up, uh, we had Ironman Barcelona. I love it on Torsten's page that he's got up here. Uh, congestion issues sometimes occur <laughs> on this course. It's a polite way of saying congestion it. Congestion issues. Uh, so <laughs> Drafting <just> cheats. <laughs> Jesper Svensson from Sweden took it out and he swam 46, rode 4.22 and ran a 2.53 for an 8.05.56, which is not particularly fast for this course. Uh, Franz Losch from Germany was in second now I did see the very finish of this race I can't remember where I was but it basically came down to the wire and, and they, you know there's only no, uh, 11 seconds between them wow and, uh, so uh, Jesper uh, I think he got caught on the run and then he managed to pull himself together and pull away again so because he ran a 2.53 and Franz ran a 2.46 third place uh, Miguel Tinto and he ran a 2.43 and that's a big thing now because that's qualification for Kona absolutely you know that 11 seconds for poor old Franz mm-hmm. if he doesn't get to Kona that's a big water for your year isn't it it is and then on the female side we had a dojo yeah. domination Big time. Laura Phillip from Germany swam 55, rode 4.42 and ran an awesome 2.52 for an 8.34.57. Wow. Who is she? She's a German. I have seen her name pop up a couple of times and I'm going to, well, that's just in a second. I'm going to go to that website again. O-B, yeah, Obstry. This is great because you can go on there and plug your name in. It's with with Athlinks is fantastic. It has all the different websites, but with this one, it just gives just the Ironman results. Okay, so it's just if you want to see Ironman results from all athletes or just pro athletes. 
uh, all athletes. Oh, um, and so Laura Phillips, she did Barcelona and she won. She won 70.3 Regan. She ran, won 70.3 Zalimse. She won uh, the Asia Pacific 70.3 Champs. Uh, she uh, That was when she was an age grouper. So she's an age grouper from 2018. This looks like her first year racing as Well, she's a made pro. a mark here. Like that's... Oh, no, no, sorry, I'm talking, looking at a different Laura there. She won 70.3 Kreitschgau. Uh, she won, geez, she's won St. Poulton. Uh, she's had a very winning season. Well, and look at that time, 8.34. Yeah. You're like, I know now with the Daniellas of the world, we go, you know, 8.30s. Not as special as it used to be. That look at that race. That's only twenty nine minutes behind the first male. Yeah, so she's That's impressive. So she's a name to look out for, isn't she? I wonder how old she is. You can do that part of the research. Second okay. place was Hannah Mas. Uh, let's see if I can get that right. Mas uh, Maximova from BLR. So I guess that's Belarus in nine oh eight, and Yvonne Van Vlerken in third place uh, in nine hours and ten minutes. She's thirty one. 31. 31. She's uh, 175 centimetres. Well, 56 <laughs> kg. 100, how many? 175? Yep. My height? Yep. Is that you or are you? Yep. I'm 181. Yep. Just not that it matters, but just I am. <laughs> got one up on me there. Yeah, just saying. Uh, okay, so, and we also got some feedback that Brian McChrystal decided to withdraw oh, because of drafting. Yeah, he, Brian McChrystal, great interview over and wrote. Uh, had an awesome race over there as well. Uh, but basically pulled out of this race. He said the blatant drafting, and this is in the pro field, Disgusted him so much that he, he just pulled out of the race, and that's that's not the first time we remember Dimity Lee Duke. Dimity Lee Duke did that earlier in the year. I think it was at Texas. It's like she just said, "This is a joke." It's not like you're riding five meters or something. It's like riding on someone's wheels. So I can only guess that that was Brian's issue because uh, I did see a post that he put that somebody sent through to us uh, that he just said it was just. It was beyond a joke. That's, that's a real concern, isn't it? Because you think in the pro race, drafting shouldn't be a problem. You know, at the point of the end of the bike course, yeah. You know, there should be marshals out there, and we're talking blatant, blatant, yeah. wheel sucking. Now Not there were a lot of male pros in this race. I think there were about fifty guys down, so mm-hmm. it was a big field. But I get it. I do get it in Kona in the age group when you've got too many people on the course. But at the front of the pack, and maybe if it's a loop and you're in the second loop, I kind of get it maybe a little bit as well. But for the pro cyclist guys, there are, there's not enough people to be drafting. I agree. So that's yeah. shocking. And it's shocking on the marshalling of the race. It is indeed. And yeah. Barcelona does not have a particularly good reputation. Man. What else we had? On to Ironman Louisville, which was on uh, the same weekend as Kona on the Sunday. So Kona was Saturday, Louisville was Saturday. Uh, Kona was Saturday, Louisville was Sunday. Chris Leiferman, uh, who we had on the show fairly recently, pulled out another awesome run split. Uh, he ran a 2.38 to take the win. Uh, nice. He rode a 4.34. Nice. But his and his swim, man, that has improved beyond World record, size. 12 minutes. 12 minutes 55. 12 minutes, unbelievable. So this is one of the themes we're going to get over today's show, is that uh, three of the swims had problems. Oh, loads of places have had swims problems this, this season. So just off the top of my head, you know, there's Hamburg, there's Louisville here. Uh, I... 
it's Chattanooga. I can't remember. There's bit. There's bit. I, I would say there's probably five or so out of out of forty one at least. And and Dawson was saying here this one was about one point five k's, but it must have been downstream because. So so this one was not so much of a pollution issue, which has been a problem at some swims. This one was the current in the river was too strong that they couldn't actually use the normal course. So you can't go putting the boot into them. I would rather they do a twelve minute swim than go and do a yeah. um three k run. Yeah. Uh, at least you've got a swim uh, so that sucks that that happened especially for all those guys that, you know first timers that were, were training up hard but I'd, I'd commend them on actually trying to have some sort of solution with a swim rather than a, an epoxy little run Sam Long was in second place after blitzing the bike with a 4.23 but fading he still ran a 2.55 so he ended up five minutes behind Chris and uh, Greg Close was in third place but that's an impressive run. So Chris Loferman will be booking yeah. his ticket to Kona. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. And on the girl side of things? Uh, the female side, we had Lisa Roberts in third place in very close racing, 8.46. In 8.45, we had Michelle Herbauer. And in 8.43, Jennifer Spidender. So that's bloody close racing. Less than three minutes covering the top three. And you'd kind of think, oh, maybe they all came out of the swim together. It was so short, but they were actually quite spread out out of the swim. Uh, one swam 12.24, one swam 13.35, and one swam 15.54. So uh, they all had their different strengths and weaknesses throughout the day. So nice work, Jennifer. Also punching her ticket for Kona. Yeah, it's nice stuff. Uh, it's quite interesting because the next swim, so we think 1.5 is a short swim. Go to Ironman Taiwan, John. 400-meter swim. <laughs> I know. But again, I'd say... A swim is better than no swim, yeah. and I think the yeah four, four well it's even less than four hundred because uh, Daniel Fontana who won the men's race swam four twenty eight, uh, so that's oh, I suppose you could argue it's four hundred meters if they absolutely gunned it and they took the split they put their coming on? out of the water. Sorry, do you think they had their wetsuits? Well, on? Actually, that's a good point. They would it would have been a non wetsuit swim in Taiwan as well, I'd imagine. Yeah. So, but you wouldn't put your wetsuit on for a four hundred meter swim, would you? Uh, well, it kind of depends what you're going to wear for the rest of the day. For a lot of age groupers, possibly, because then you're um, then you don't have to worry about swim skins. You get you gain about for an age group of ten seconds per hundred. So if you get your wetsuit off quickly, four hundred to five hundred meters is about the threshold where you. Okay, so if it's three hundred, you're keeping it off. Okay, three hundred keeping it off. Five. What would have you done, John Newsom? In a four hundred meters, you would have done your no goal strategy. Yes, I think I. Probably would wear a swim skin, probably. Okay. Yeah, so probably would go without the wetsuit. So Daniel Fontana swam 4.28, rode 4.34 and ran a 3.02. Obviously tough conditions when you're racing in the, the heat over there to win in 7.47. Three minutes over Jared Harvey from Australia and Alexander Polizzi third in 8.01. Female side, um, Sue House from Canada, Took it out in a 8.25, six minutes ahead of Sonia Bracegirdle, making her comeback after that uh, unfortunate incident in Holland, I think it was, um, but unlucky. Maastricht, wasn't it? Yeah. Maastricht, it was. Yeah. Um, she had a really good, good, very short swim and a solid bike, leading off the bike, um, but only ran a 3.25 uh, to fade to second place and uh, Katharina Groman from Germany in third place. Good close racing though, only 
you know, uh, a handful of minutes covering the sort of second through to fifth place. Another piece of news we have this week is that the Ironman Florida course has been moved. Uh, this is because of a recent hurricane, which is about 700 miles away from, to, now it's going to be in Haynes City. And that's where they hold the, the 70.3 Florida, I think. And when, 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 so it's been moved? It's, it's in like two weeks' time. So oh, wow. I mean, that's it's a big short thing. notice, but... Again, you can't put the boot into Iron Man if they can't run the course where the at Panama Beach. That's a, but it's a tough one. Like I get it. Um, it's it's one of those god events, you know, that they're caught in law. But um, that's a lot of money for people. It is. It's actually not six hundred and seventy. This is not six hundred ninety miles away. I think it's three hundred and ninety. I think that's yeah, kilometers. Still, you're going to have to get new accommodation. It's a long way. You're going to lose a lot of money. I'll be interested to see how many people actually still turn up because mm. it's a lot of cost. Totally. It's just unfortunate. So hopefully you guys doing Florida can get yourself sorted yeah. and still have a good race. Okay, John, we want to do a bit of a reflection on Kona, just some of the things that we saw and thought about the day. And let's talk about the coverage first. Look, we, we, you guys probably saw more coverage than, than we did, and I've started watching a bit more on the old trainer. From what I could see, you've got to give Iron Man the big thumbs up. Yeah. It seems significantly better than what it's been in the past. Uh, plenty of added new features. The Facebook side of things means you can get feedback. But across the board, I don't reckon we can ask for too much more given the size of our audience. Yeah, when we were watching, you what, 55,000, 60,000, something like that. Yeah. It's not that that many people are watching and the cost, it's, they're losing a lot of money and now that you've got good coverage, there was no ads that I saw. Yeah, that was the thing I noticed this year. Yeah. Because the, the ads used to be quite frustrating because they made them go for too long. And but this year, there didn't seem to be... Well, again, when I was watching the run, when you went out on the run course and I just went back to the media and watched it, I was quite. I was thinking to myself, there's no ads. No, I mean, they're often talking about the bike sponsor and the swim sponsor and run sponsor. No, but it's like they used to do... Remember... Chris, Chris McDonald would do like Iron Man bloody the mattress. Blender, the, yeah. blender. <laughs> the blender, that's what it was, the blender. And it became negative advertising because we all got it. so pissed off with it yeah. that you're going, I'm never buying one of those things because you play it too many times. So like, advert-free coverage, eight hours, pretty they, awesome. They did a good job. Like, the commentators did a good job. Like mm. everything. When I was watching it, now I was only watching it intermittently throughout the day, but it seemed like they did a pretty good job. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, so. so good on them. And we have to give them the big thumbs up here. Mm. And the Facebook play seems to be a really good play. And, you know, we are in the early stages. I think 7.3, there were some hiccups to be expected. Mm. But imagine what it's going to be in like another 18 months from now. You know, another year from now, it's going to learn their lessons. And it was one of the things that, I don't know if you listened to my interview of Andrew post-race. Um, and he just said that's a big part of their focus now is getting a big media print footprint out there to the world, mm. really telling the story a lot more and providing the tools to be able to do that. So, And, and I think the number of people that are going to be watching these eight, nine-hour Ironmans is going to be pretty thin, but the little highlight shows Pictures, that you're starting yeah. to put out, that's what could get uh, more people into our sport. So nice work. On the women's side of things, <laughs> you, know, you kind of wonder if Daniela Reef's ruining our sport a little bit like when Chrissy Wellington came along and you had these dominant players, you're like, no one's even going to come close. I don't think she is ruining the sport. Do you know why? Because her performances are so awesome to watch. Mm -hmm. Like, that was an awesome race. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and 20 minutes. It just blows my mind away how fast she went. It's not like, remember when Schumacher was winning Formula One all the time mm -hmm. and it was just boring mm -hmm. and it kind of killed the sport. I don't think she's there yet. Maybe in, if she just keeps at it for another five years. Well, if she had a good swim, I think it would have been a lot more boring because she would have got yeah, maybe a maybe. lot quicker. Yep, good point. Yep. But it was a great race. 
Now, one thing I, I saw somebody shared on social media, and I checked this out um, briefly. I haven't done full scientific peer-reviewed research okay. on this. Well, but you do your homework. I saw somebody post on there that in the final 70Ks, um, Daniela Reef only two males outrode her in that split. So, um, you know, wow. and, and so I thought, oh, I'll check this out. And I looked, there was a split of 124Ks and then obviously coming off the bike. And Daniela Reef rode one hour 20.34 and I checked it out and I just looked, I thought I'll look at um, Langer and he rode a 121, so just slower. And McNamee did a 123 and Tim O'Donnell did a 121. So she did, not by much, but she outrode three of the top five guys in the race in the last 70Ks. That's unheard of. It really is, isn't it? So the only people, I, th- I think it was, must have been Worth and maybe Starkowitz, two fastest riders in the history of our sport, are the only people that outrode her on the And she was only 16 minutes back on them, or 17 minutes back oh, on them. It's insane. She is. She is just awesome, isn't she? Like, man, she's impressive. Mm. She's just... She's kind of, you know, I've been speaking a lot about her to just everyday people in the last couple of weeks or since we got back from Hawaii, like my runners and the people at the gym. And she's just kind of the ultimate athlete, isn't she? You know, because you kind of go, What's it, what does it take to be an ultimate athlete? Well, you need talent, mm-hmm. you need skills, you need work ethic, but you also need the mind game and her ability to be able to, to bring all of this together. Like when I interviewed her, she said, after I got bitten by jellyfish, I thought to myself, I'm going to respect the race and just do the race today. Didn't even think I was going to be competitive. I'd kind of given up on being competitive. And then to go and do what she did. Mm. Like, unbelievable. Just, I love it. It's so cool. It's awesome. Yeah, it really is. A um, few stats that I, or a few things from the men's race that I picked up on. Um, looking at Torsten's ratings, so he sort of colour codes, um, uh, you know, what people did in different disciplines, whether it was faster than normal expected um, or slower than normal. And it, this was a, so far beyond the best day ever in Kona in the history of our sport that you'd think every single person is going to be setting a PB. Not every single person, yeah. but a big be portion a fast, fast day. are going yep. to be setting a PB. Um, but 30 of the 53 men went slower or DNF'd based on Torsten's rating. So there's still a lot of guys that just blew to pieces, uh, predominantly on the run. Most people rode pretty well, but still a lot of blow-ups on the run. I suppose, I suppose maybe this is a bit of homework for Thorsten. Is is that pretty typical for Kona? Because his predictions are based on more of their season, not just the Kona race. And mm. we know that people tend to take a bit more of a risk in Kona. Mm-hmm. So they are trying to like, look at like look at how Braden raced. He probably could have got a higher placing if he was a bit more conservative in the first part of the run. Um, so if you think of it like that then you kind of go, maybe that's quite typical in Kona. Yeah, but also look at like a Mike Phillips. He had a good run, yep. but like a 2.57, not an amazing run, but he ran himself, you know, tipped like 10 or 12 places higher yeah. through the run, not having an amazing run. Yep. Uh, so I think you've, you know, if you can put out a consistent run over there, you're going to do pretty well. So questions I've got, Gomez, can he make it in the next few years? It's not like he got smashed on the bike. You know, he was there or thereabouts coming off the bike. He was where he kind of needed to be, um, but didn't have it on the run. So, you know, can he actually improve that bike to a standard that he can get off the bike and unleash a Patrick Langer type run and be does, a contender. And does he want it? You know, like it's it's one of those things where some of these guys who have had these long successful careers and another like I always think that I was talking to someone about the other day about how Gomez and it's kind of like you see guys like Gomez if they don't six, experience success early in the Ironman time, you kind of lose them. Like Bevan Dockett is a great example. Mm-hmm. He had a great Ironman New Zealand. And then a couple of years in the sport where he really underperformed based on his ITU experience and he just lost heart pretty quick, you know. And so it'll be really interesting to see if Gomez actually has the want. 
but let's be he's had two races and he's had one really good race yeah not an, you know and where he did run fast uh and just struggled in Kona so he hasn't got that uh, unlock the key but that's what's the intrigue next year yeah. he won't come in with that favorites tag next year he'll no. still come in with a lot of interest but he won't come in this year loads of people picked him to be on the podium and loads picked him to be winning it so and even if the bike you thought he's in the game mm. you know Absolutely. he just wasn't even in the game at all so sanders um it's pretty hard not to like that guy <laughs> did you watch his, did you watch his post race i haven't watched his post race one yet but you know i saw a picture of him uh running in and out of the energy lab and he was cheering for Patrick Langer as he was coming both both ways. And uh, it's just, 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 he's a very likable guy. Oh, he really is. Uh, I think I think one thing I wonder, watch his thing, because it's quite interesting. I think one of the things that his biggest problem is, because it's really interesting leading into the race, anyone who kind of knew anything about sport didn't think he'd perform. Mm-hmm. Like you, you were mm-hmm. kind of saying, I, I, th- I think he'll crack. Mm-hmm. Melina said, I think he's going to crack. And... You know, and I haven't really followed. I know he's got a, he's got a kind of controlling his own social media now, and he does a lot of kind of content. And so I haven't watched much of it, but I watched uh, his post race, and it's really quite emotional. I love him because he's just so real and genuine. Like mm-hmm. he's he's a pretty cool character. Um, but I kind of think that like really, he, he was he made all the mistakes you'd make as a rookie, mm. you know. And he's not a rookie anymore, mm-hmm. you know. Like it's not like you know year one, trying nutrition stuff, you know, being overtrained. I get it. But the thing that he kind of made out in his post-race interview was, I, I haven't got help and now it's time. Mm. Come on, mate. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people, the champions say, you know, getting to the top's one thing, staying there's another. And he's wouldn't say he's got to the top in terms no, of yet. winning the kind of, but he got second last yeah, year and he's yeah. won just about every other bloody thing that he's touched or been pretty close to yeah. it. Yeah, he's a great So, effort. you know, he's, he's, you can say he's more or less got to the top now. Now he's got to figure out how to stay. But hey, let's just take, we'll take a step back. He's had a shitty back half of the season, front half of the season, pretty awesome, mm. you know. I mean, he beat Keenlay in a head-to-head battle. Uh, I know he got beaten by Frodo pretty badly. I think it was Oceanside, but it's not like he was crap. Uh, it was like Frodo was on another I, I think the thing with Keenlay, I mean, with um, Sanders is, I think his strength is always, almost his enemy. Mm. You know, like, and I think of myself as an athlete, when I did Ironman, my biggest fault was I was just always trying to be too hardcore. Mm. Um, and sometimes I didn't necessarily take the wisest path forward. Um, and it was just, you know, always just kind of train yourself to the ground. And if I were to do my time again... I would do a much wiser training plan that would kind of reflect all of those things. And we all know he is the hard man. We all know that. And and even like you, you we're watching the photos we were, just before I interviewed him in Kona. Um, we we're doing, we we're do, they were doing the photos and everyone's kind of just doing your stand pose and he puts his fists up like he's yeah. ready for a fight, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's how he plays the game, you know, and he's kind of created this persona of I am, I am tough and I want tough, tough, tough. Yeah. It's almost like he needs to learn to be wise. Yeah, you know, I remember years ago I had this young athlete come around, and he, his parents asked me to mentor him. And I said to him, he said, "I'm always trying to be hardcore." And I said, "Mate, you're not not always the hardest guy wins the race." Mm. You know what I mean? And I, and I kind of think that for Sanders, his, his the point where he could possibly win Kona is when he's a wise athlete with the mental toughness he has. And to me, that's his evolution. Yeah, so it's going to be. I think it's just a fascinating angle for me uh, to look at going into next year. You know whether he can can climb back up on that mountain because he was bloody close to winning last year. Uh, the other thing that intrigues me about going into next year is if we had the same situation out, uh, play out again or in terms of coming off the bike, and you had Frodo and Langer running together, who's going to take that run? Well, I'm going to say Langer. I would say that probably as well. And Kona, I would. Mm. You know, like. Jeez, he proved himself this year. And, and I, Frodo said 40-39 next year. Mm-hmm. And I know Frodo is a freak and a legend. 
But, you know, he is going to a new territory. Like, Crowey knocked out that amazing performance at 38. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, that's kind of the end of the tether for most pro athletes. So um, we, we will know one thing, Frodo will want it like crazy next year. It was actually after the race, I asked him for an interview and he said, oh, look, mate, um, this is a pretty emotional day for me. I, I prefer just to kind of leave alone today. Yeah. And, and, I, you know, totally understandable. It would have been pretty tough for him to be there. Mm. But... You know, no one was talking about Langer before the race. Mm. No one gave him respect. And he had a blinder. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just a run. He rode really well as well, didn't he? He did. Uh, and then our questions I've got is Keenlay's chance over to win. Kind of, I thought this year I, I picked him to win. Uh, he just looked like he was building really nicely and had also, I don't actually know what happened other than his mechanical, but didn't turn out that way. Kind of wonder if he's kind of still going to be competitive and still back him to be on the podium but whether or not he's missed his window to um to win that race again especially with the the talent that's coming through now there was also some talk about andreas dreitz and langer but or him actually sort of domestiquing a little bit for langer on the bike because they're both on the same erdinger team together i think it's pretty hard to prove that and they had in that group they would have had a draft marshal with them the whole time and so sure dreitz might have been on the front keeping the pace up but langer would have had to be riding at a legal distance so kind of give him the benefit of the doubt there yeah Kenley's 34 so age wise he's got a couple more years in him but his athletic age is you know he's been around for quite a while what year did he win Kona uh, God, 2012 I think it was yeah. look here. he won Kona they won the well, I remember no, 2014 Ironman World Championships and then he won the 70.3 and 12 and 13 hmm. so uh, I'm, I'm with you. I don't see it happening. Yeah. But if it did happen, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. So it's a bit of a funny one with him. Um, Bevan, you're asking, I'm not sure if you're asking on the show or if you're just asking me generally, you know, what were the big bike numbers this year in Kona and what's a dominant bike? And I sort of said, I think at the time I said Savalo, I you think it's it. probably still the top and it is, but it's, um, yeah, it's changing and sponsorship is an amazing thing in terms of uh, how that can influence people's bike choices. So uh, this year in Kona, Savalo was on top, Trek was second, Specialized was third, Felt was fourth, Canyon, uh, who a few years ago, I don't know if they existed or not, but they sponsor a good proportion of the top pros. They had 100, and this is age group bikes out there, 110, probably age group and pro actually. BMC, Quantana Roo, Giant, Sipo had 70, Cannondale, and then uh, Ventum, the bike sponsor, had 49. So, and 15 yeah. of those were, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, drug testing? Yeah, well, we were walking down the street and caught up with a pro we know. I'm not going to name who it was. But one thing that intrigued me, uh, she was off to registration. See, I'm going there early this year because it took bloody ages last year. Uh, I'm pretty sure it sounded like they drug test all the pro athletes. Great. It's good on them. Yep. Now, I will say, if you get caught... You're a schmuck. You are beyond <laughs> a schmuck. If you, you get caught over there... In, in competition testing, you're an idiot. And that's why I give people the benefit of doubt. If they do actually get caught in competition... I sometimes give people the benefit of the doubt thinking something could have been tainted here. You can't be that much of an idiot. You can't be that stupid to get there and actually be taking drugs. If it's a sort of a, a trace element, if it's something like a, you know, something really blatant, then you are a moron. But if it's a trace element, I can sometimes go, yeah, geez, maybe you have taken something tainted. So the, in terms of some couple of negatives of the day, drafting still a major problem out there for the age group athletes. Yeah, and I actually got some feedback from some from age groupers and it's kind of a bit like what you were saying, it's making the race pretty unappealing for them. Mm. And even I was talking to Andrew, um, talk to Andrew, Andrew, I've, yeah. I've totally gone blank on Andrew Charles? No, no, Andrew, I've gone blank on his last name. Um, Andrew and Kim. 
Oh, Lawrenson. Yep. Yeah, Lawrenson. Andrew Lawrenson. Sorry, Andrew. I was talking to him at the airport and he actually said he liked my idea of charging more to do Kona right. if, if it meant more no drafting. You know, if, if, if you could half the field, guarantee no drafting, he was like, I would be w- willing to pay double to do that. Mm. You know, and, and I, I kind of get it, man. It was ruining the race for yeah. an age group athlete, mm. especially if you're between that kind of nine and a half to 13 hour mark or 12 hour mark. Yeah. You, you know, it's a draft fest, man. Mm. Yep. Um. One other thing that I picked up on, you can taste this, take this negative or positive, um, Alexander Vinokurov, um, I didn't actually check what time he did, but he finished in the top 10 in his age group. Former I don't know who pro, that is. Former pro cyclist. Okay. People who are cycling aficionados will make their own minds up about what they think okay. about the result. I think I, get, I read between the lines here, John. We got a, an article from somewhere, I don't remember where it came from, but basically it was called the best of the day, and it's just got a few facts about the day. The first one is that Germany's Patrick Lamb became the first, or Langer, became the first person to finish an Ironman World Championship in under eight hours and it wasn't just under like he smashed it didn't he 752 and the yeah. time the previous year that it was another record was 80140 um patrick's manager jan i'm gonna say jan Sieberson. now you won't have seen this and if you haven't watched the iron man cover if you weren't watching the coverage all day this was pretty entertaining i hadn't seen it uh until last week when I, we watched it on the uh, wind trainer session jan Sieberson, he broke the swim course record uh he swam 4630 what I didn't realise at the time, he came out of the swim. He was sprinting out of the swim. When you come out of the swim, you go up these steps Is that and you, and that's, okay. at, yep. at the top there. came sprinting out and just about collapsed. He just went bowling into this table where I think they might have been having the glasses or there might have been some drinks on there and just about <laughs> passed out. Realised he's made the course. And he's jumping up around, doing high fives <laughs> with the officials, having a bit of a sit down, having a rest and just going, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, he honestly would have been celebrating and standing around for a good minute or oh, so really? and, then he, transition. and then he just walked off to um walked off to the, the the change area and just slowly took his time i didn't actually see i should look it up now what time he actually finished in oh interestingly it was a 20-year record by yards yeah um, Jorgensen, lars Jorgensen. lars Jorgensen. so that was in the day when you got some top top swimmers doing it and they may not have been that great and that was because it was good prize money they had bonuses back in those days um Possibly. Because why aren't we getting top, top swimmers doing it now if, if there's not bonuses, if it wasn't bonuses back in the past? Yeah, I'm not sure if there was a big bonus or not. Uh, and yeah, 20 years ago, accuracy of the course may be okay. a little bit questionable. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm going to look up what time Jan Sieberson did. You carry on with the rest Okay, of so it. Kyle and Brent Pease we became the second special team to ever finish Ironman World Championship. The last team we were to do were, were the Rick and Dick Hoyt team in 1999. I saw it we, um, when I went down with Belinda. We saw them coming in. They came in a pretty good time because we weren't down there that late. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, we also have Liz McTurnall from Great Britain became the second female hand cyclist to ever finish Ironman World Championship. The last woman hand cyclist to finish was Marinda Denter from the United States in 2013. Uh, Liz did a time of 14.21. Uh, how do I say this Japanese name? I'm going to say Hurumu uh, Indina. Uh, at 85 and 11 months became the oldest competitor to, to ever finish an Ironman, it's got just an Ironman here, which obviously means it's not just the Ironman World Championship. So mm. eighty, nearly, basically a month away from eighty-six. Mm. Do you know what time he did? Uh, I can look that up in a second. Jan Sieberson did a forty-six swim, five minutes in that first transition, five twelve. That's pretty bloody respectable still. Yep. He did used to be a pro athlete, I think. Uh, Six forty-one. He mucked around that second transition, and then four twenty-six on the uh, on the second run. 
Nice work. Uh, Bar- uh, Bar- Arnotts from Belgium have also finished under eight hours in a time of 7.56. Daniela Reef's time of 8.26.18 broke her own course record of 8.46.46. She beat it by over 20 minutes. Lucy Charles set a new swim course record for the females in 48.14, uh, beating the world record set in 1991 by Jodie Jackson. And Cameron Worth set a new bike course record of 409.06 beating the previous record by 4.12, so it beat it by three minutes, which is quite fascinating, really, because what did Daniela beat the bike record by? Do you know that? Oh, 20 minutes or something like the that. The bike record? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, he wasn't as dominant. I wasn't listening to what you're doing. I was doing okay, my stuff. Thanks but um, Hiroma Inada did 16.53.50. So he was, he was only six minutes inside the cuff. Wow, that's impressive. About 85, mm-hmm. nearly 86. And then lastly, yeah, so she beat the old course, by, course record by basically 18 minutes, set in 21 by Karen Thieu, uh, sorry, 2001. So, <sighs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Great, yeah. It was a good coda. Mm-hmm. Disappointingly, it wasn't as exciting as the end. Mm-hmm. Like, coming off the bike, I thought, wow, this is going to mm-hmm. be awesome because I thought you were Gomez. Curry, while he showed a lot of fight, kind of underperformed on the run mm-hmm. based on times. But I thought, you know, I thought Curry could be out with Langer. Mm-hmm. You know, like coming off the bike, I didn't think Tom O'Donnell could stay with Langer, but I thought Curry and Langer, Gomez wasn't far behind them. Mm. You really thought this could be a pretty exciting finish. Um, but Langer was just too good, wasn't he? Impressive. Yep. We had some other races uh, last weekend. Um, some people doubling up. Andy Potts doubling up uh, week after Kona and won at the 70.3. Coquimbo uh, and then Lauren Goss took out the females race challenge Pergiera um, Pablo Gonzalez took that out along with Lucy Gossage God, mate for somebody who's reti- apparently retired <laughs> still doing pretty bloody well the other person going go and retire properly yeah 70.3 Shanghai you had Philippe uh, Azevedo from Portugal take that out for uh, by only three seconds over Matt Trotman Bloody hell, and then there was only another 25 seconds back to um, Mitch Robbins, so close racing there. Caroline Stephan took out the females race. Um, Challenge Kichibanuru, uh, which is in uh, Thailand. Uh, Frederick Cronenberg won that. Uh, Yvonne Van Vluken won the male, uh, females. Uh, interestingly, though, uh, how often does this happen, Bevan, that the male getting married changes their surname to the female's surname? You know How what? often does that happen? I don't know. Not often. So Pierre, Bit- Pierre Bittner and Von Van Vlerken recently got married. Oh, so they go to Now Van he's Pierre Van Vlerken. Wow. Mm, that's good stuff. You know, we all li- we live in a much more liberal time, John. It's a good thing. Um, okay. Not much coming up uh, the next little period. A few halves and 70.3s and what have you. Um, but John's ITU update. Which means Super League time is back. Now, has this got the same kind of field? Haven't looked at the fields. I wouldn't say that they do the best job at updating the website and um, so on. But Super League dot uh, Super League Triathlon dot com is back this weekend. They're going to Malta, and then the following weekend they're going to Majorca. So if you guys going into winter who want some indoor training material, it's coming up this next couple of weekends. So what they did last time, and I'm wondering if they're doing the same. They stream it through Triathlon Live dot com for no dot TV for free. Uh, what did you watch it on? You watched it on. YouTube, didn't you? Yeah, I watched it. No, I didn't watch it live. They had the re- they had the replay up pretty much straight away, so I mm. watched it on YouTube. So slightly different format to last time. They've got the Eliminator race, which is where they do a series of three events, uh, and I think they lose 
uh, a certain number after each one, maybe five after the first and five That's after right, the yep. second or something like that. So it ends up with being sort of about 10 athletes in the final race for the for the win. Uh, so it's a more of a pacing exercise. And then the equaliser is on the Sunday and then they, they start that with an individual time trial. They don't specify exactly what that individual time trial is going to be, whether it's a swim, bike, run, whether it's a bike or whatever. And then they go into a, a, a race straight after that depending on how far behind you were in the equaliser so you get a head start if you win so it should be um, exciting times and then in Mallorca they'll have a slightly different format again this is very similar to what or exactly the same as what they did in the good old Formula 1 days in Australia is they mix the formats around depending on different rounds and you had different winners um, at different events so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how everybody goes it's going to be a long season for those ITU athletes so wouldn't be surprised if we see some of the favourites potentially not doing quite so well and those that had weak seasons that are going to be sort of pushing on into winter perhaps coming to the fore people like Jonathan Brownlee potentially uh, so it should be good times uh, Just Monday course accuracy we're actually just looking at the Kona results here uh, just the, what, what do you what did you get from your research here John? Um, well somebody sent through to our Facebook page saying Cam Worth's showing this the, the race was short and I thought mm, don't think it normally is on the bike no. and so I checked he must have stopped his stop button a little bit early or started late because uh, the swim um, you always get different measurements there but it's you know there or thereabouts the bike unless they move the turnaround it's always the same it is pretty much bang on 180 kilometers with a thousand and fifty meters of elevation change and I looked at a couple of files so the bike is legit that's not why the times were fast this year it's the same course as usual yep. uh, slight change on the the run but of the files that I looked at it's um, you know it's right there or thereabouts and again depends on where you start and stop your um, your watch and there's around about 250 meters of elevation change on the run so good work course is accurate record stand John your picks for Kona next year right now right now right here right now Ooh, but a fat boy slim is <laughs> fat boy slim is uh, my picks for next year I will go Fredino oh you're going to pick him are you um, Keenlay and Sanders you're still not going Langer <laughs> no. oh come he's, on he's got a crack sooner or later no I'm going Langer I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to go, here. here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go Langer, Keenley, Curry. You heard it here first. Right. You heard it here first. Uh, uh, girls, female side, I'd probably... Pretty much top two again. I'd probably go almost the top three again. Okay, yeah, actually. Uh, it's hard to pick it up wise, isn't it? Yeah, Mike, you always get one surprise in there. Maybe that new girl who, who today. Who was it that girl who killed at the race in that really fast race today? Uh, from oh Laura Phillip yeah maybe Laura Phillip could be the surprise yep. but I w- wouldn't be surprised if yeah Anne Haug or Sarah True I mean they there or thereabouts this year so yeah I can't see too much changing on the female side of things there's always one surprise on the male so I've gone with three of the the regular Trojans there'll be somebody that steps up you know nobody in their right mind picked Bart Arnott's to be second place no nobody would have even hardly picked him in the top you probably pick him in your top ten but nobody picks him yeah that was a bit like a Luke McKenzie. Mm. When he got second, you know, like exactly. no one would pick Luke. So, uh, so we just, uh, hot topic of the week, we did kind of get people to give their picks. John, you've just picked people who've done well, have you? I've picked people out of the, the, the two winners that I have that got closest because uh, they had to have two of the top 
three males. Okay. So these are basically the only people that picked David McNamee in their top three <laughs> and, well. Lang- and Langer, and they won. So Neil Hastings, you got the closest. You did have Gomez to win, and he finished 11th, but you had Langer in second and McNamee in third. So two out of three, pretty close. Two out of three and bad. And then you had Reef, Charles, and True. So you got Reef and Charles, right? Sarah True finished in fourth place, a pretty bloody close. Good work, Neil Hastings. And Ross Little was the other one. He Ross Giverlittle, wasn't it? Uh, no, you, give you a get lot. that wrong every time. Well, who's give a lot? Oh, I'm not sure, but it's Rob. Give me more. Oh, okay. Uh, Ross could be so, give a little. I'm someone's not sure. give me a lot little. It could, it could be. I, I could, could be, be wrong. Uh, I can look that up in a yep. second. Um, he had Patrick Langer, McNamee, and Keenlay. Nice. And then on, so he got two out of those three, and then he had Reef, Charles, and Carfrey. So Carfrey finished. What did she finish? Fifth was it? Yeah. Yeah. Sixth. Sixth. Fifth. Fifth yeah. or sixth there or thereabouts. Yeah. No, because she got. Oh, I think sixth. I can't remember. Uh, John. This week's discussion, we want to know what you thought of the race day coverage in Kona. So what was the best part of your Kona viewing last week? Plus, one thing Ironman could do better with the Ironman coverage. Now, we think they did a pretty great job, but just maybe one thing that you feel that they could improve on for the next time you watch the Ironman World Championship. So once again, what was the best part of your viewing experience and one thing they can do better? John, let's talk about a sponsor. Oh, just Miranda Carfrey was fifth place in eight hours, 50 minutes and 44 seconds, 24 minutes. And so they both got fifth. Did Tim get fifth? Uh, but I got fourth. He got fourth. Yep. Um, he had a great race, didn't he? He didn't. Do I it. wouldn't have picked him to to create Curry. No, possibly not. No, hmm. but I think Curry went for the win. He did. I think Curry in the first half of the race went for the win, and that's why he ended up getting fifth. I think if if he'd been more conservative, he could have even got second. Potentially, you know, because you'd expect Curry to be able to run a low two hundred and forty, wouldn't you? Uh, in those conditions, maybe. Yeah, yeah. A two forty something. Yeah. Yep. Uh John uh sponsor. Extreme Endurance. So we know that they've got their fantastic uh Extreme Endurance product. They also have the Amiga Plus D three, two products in one. It's a comprehensive formula providing very high levels of EPAs and DHAs, their fatty acids in superior triglyceride form, along with four thousand international units of D vitamin 4,000? 4,000. That's right. You hit it right. 4,000. Um, you <laughs> right. There's loads of really good research on uh, how beneficial Amigas are for you guys. So it promotes healthy responses to exercise-induced inflammation. Keeps uh, immune system strong and healthy. It's got lots of fatty acids in there, beneficial for optimum, optimal health. Uh, promotes healthy heart, brain, and joint mobility. And uh, the vitamin D3 promotes absorption of calcium for bone strength and maintenance. So check it out. It's only $29.50 for a pack to try it out. But if you use the promo code IMTALK20, you'll get 20% discount off. So check it out at... Extreme Endurance. Oh, he was pointed at me and he just started sneezing. <laughs> Extreme Endurance or xendurance.com. Check, check, check it out, John. We've got a great interview with a real legend of the sport. You know, we've had him on Legends, haven't we? We have indeed. Yeah, and if, if you haven't listened to Legends of Triathlon, make sure you do because it's a, it's a bit of a schooling in the sport and the history of the sport. But this man, Jeepers Creepers, 35 consecutive Ironman World Championships is pretty phenomenal so um, here is Kingla and also you can check out EnduranceSportsTravel.com if you want to go travel with him somewhere to some amazing race around the world Right we are actually still in Kona here this is coming out you guys will be listening to this uh, After Kona you know who won we don't Yes yeah. God that 
that Lionel Sanders. I didn't think he was going to blow up like that on the run. <laughs> oh, be cool, be cool. And Lucy Charles with that 15-minute lead after the swim, she held on. <laughs> and then Ken Glar took out his age group by one hour, which is very <laughs> impressive. And we've got the man who did that on the show right now. So well done on that race, Ken. <laughs> okay, now that we're done dreaming, uh, <coughs> back to reality. So, you know, this is before the fact of you doing your Kona race, but it's the 35th. Now, is that consecutive? 30, 34 consecutive finishes, and uh, we'll see. Hopefully, Saturday's 35 okay, consecutive. Okay. Mm. Can't count them till they're done. Yeah, it's it's amazing to have been here 35 times, but to do it 35 times in a row was, was kind of even more phenomenal. Uh, have there been years where you didn't think you were going to get here, or you know, and like you know, like there's definitely even when I was racing pros, there there were years when I came into it, you know, not in the greatest very good condition twice with bronchitis but that's why i had bronchitis because i was training so hard yeah um so yeah and then injury wise yeah i, I mean professionally i really never came in with a serious injury i um and as an age grouper um there was one or two years where you know my body was broken down a little bit not from training but from actually sitting so much at my desk just everything tightening up you know, my knees got tight because my quads were tight, because my hip flexors were tight. And mm-hmm. So uh, I actually, the more I train, the better I feel. Really? So, yeah. How, how many of the races were racing as a pro as, uh, in, and then transitioning to age group? Uh, I think I had, I mean, I even though there actually wasn't per se a pro field at the beginning of this right. race, uh, there wasn't prize money until 86. Yeah which was actually donated in 86. So the first two years I did it, 84 and 85, you know, I still consider myself as racing pro Mm. because I was in all my other races. But if you didn't finish, uh, there was overall and then age group. Mm. So if you finished in the top 10, you got an overall award. If you finished 11th, then you won your age group. Uh Really, really? You know, like, so, so yeah. and then you know, yeah, starting in in '86, there was there was prize money. So so basically, I was racing pro from '84 until I believe 2004 was my last year. Oh, really? Yeah, and I it, I should have ended before that because I had already started the business and yeah. had started not sleeping and not training. Uh, so racing pro wasn't such a good idea. So, so you know, you, you're starting pretty close to the start of the sport. How did you find out about it, and what was it appealing to you? Because you know, like. You did come in pretty early. Uh, I mean, I I was looking at the sport, looking at Ironman while I was still in high school. I mean, with the uh, the you know the first couple of years of the event, both the uh, you know Sports Illustrated article uh, and it's amazing then, how impactful that was. Eh? That one article, yeah, you know? and that's what got ABC here the next year. Oh, you know, really? Sports <laughs> Illustrated picked it up. ABC showed up the next year. So um, and then boom. Yeah, yeah, and then. But, you know, I, I was pretty young at that point. Um, and then uh, I did my first triathlon right before going to university. I was on scholarship for cross-country and track. Okay. And I did one year of that, did not really enjoy where I was running and was going to transfer. And uh, in the States, when you go from a Division One school to Division One school, you have to sit out a year. Oh, really? Yeah, really? so wow. to prevent recruiting between yep. Yep. you know so once you're in a university they want you to stay there mm. so during that year where i had to sit out i i did triathlons all year so all of 83 i was i was doing triathlons and by the end of the year i decided that uh 
you know, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go back to running. So, Well, in terms of your pro career over here, um, was it a highlight of your year uh, and what were your, some of your best performances? Uh, yeah, I mean, this was, you know, definitely the focus, especially once once it got to a true professional level. I mean, before that, Nice was actually a bigger race. Mm. Um in the in the mid 80s they they flew the pros in they gave you prize appearance money prize money they had worldwide tv coverage so that that was actually a a, a bigger race as a professional in 83 84 85 yeah. uh, and then and then you know by the late 80s Kona was really where it was at. Was there, was there a moment when you you know like obviously there was a transition from Nice not being the one uh, did you see that happening? What, what was the well, I was pretty young at the time, and I just, you know, Hawaii to me was still the big thing, yeah. but uh, even though there wasn't prize money. Yeah. But the more established pros in 85, a lot of them didn't actually come, uh, kind of protesting the fact yeah. that there was no prize money. Because they did two races in 85, didn't they? Uh, 82. Oh, was it 82, 82 was it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, so, so that kind of, yeah, quite a few pros didn't show up in 85. And then 86, um, like I said, someone did donate $100,000 for the prize money. Mm. And, then, uh, and then after that, it kind of, you know, the race took over with putting the prize money in, and then it really took off. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, this was the focus, you know, the focus of my year. Back then, we would do, you know, 15 to 20 races a year. It's not yeah. like, like the guys and girls doing now. Um, yeah. You know, we, we didn't have a lot of sponsorship money. It was mostly, you know, prize money, oh, really? and you're, you know, you're picking up a thousand dollars here and fifteen hundred dollars there, and maybe, you know, a few hundred dollars in bonuses from mm. this sponsor and that sponsor. Mm. So you had to race a lot. So we were doing, you know, I was doing probably twelve to fifteen Olympic distance or sprint races in a year, mm -hmm. and uh, Nice each year, which was about two thirds Ironman distance, yeah. and then um, one or two half Ironman races which mm. you know they just borrowed the name half Ironman it wasn't mm. a you know wasn't a licensed thing or anything like that they just mm. used the used the term so what was your highest placing as a pro uh third place in 88 yeah, yeah so it was Molina Mike Pig and then myself that year was that your best race or it just happened that you got <clears throat> no that that was actually not my best <clears throat> I'd had a couple races where I feel I had better races but that was my highest placing. Uh, I think my best, most consistent race was, um, I think it was 95. I went uh, 8.24 um, and finished fifth. And in that race, I, I finally put together a good run. I ran like a 2.52 and just had a good solid day. And I think that was my best day here. Can you, can you give us a picture of the race in the early 80s? You know, you're coming on nowadays and it's, it's, a, it's a festival, isn't it? There's thousands of people and it, it seems to be getting longer each year. Um, tell us the, the Ironman Hawaii experience in, you know, 84, 85, 86. Uh, I mean, it was... It was Still, you know, Digme Beach and everything, and people came in earlier. Oh, really? Yeah, because, I mean, less people had done the race multiple times, oh, okay. you know. Um, so, and, and you know, it was, it was a little cheaper to do as well because, uh, you know, the numbers were lower, so we weren't filling up all the rooms, and there wasn't, you know, a premium on the on the condos and the hotel rooms at that mm. point so mm. so financially it was a little easier for people to come and spend two weeks mm. um, 
And now you get people that have done it five, <coughs> ten times. They come in the weekend before the race. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, it was there were people here, even though there was less people, there were people here longer mm. leading into it. Uh, it wasn't ideal for training on the bike. We had to ride the white line out on the highway because the shoulder pretty much didn't uh, exist. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't properly paved. Yeah. You know, you could ride it maybe on the uphills, but you couldn't ride the shoulder on the downhill or you would have, you know, hit yeah. rocks and potholes. And yeah, yeah. so, um, but it, yeah, it was, it was a tighter community, I think, back then, you know, when you only had even though it was i mean it was still big seven eight hundred athletes and it just it grew slowly um and you know i i'm not sure you know when it got over say 15 1600 people um but i would say probably after 2000 Mm. and then you know it kind of stayed steady there because that that was a pretty good number now with 24 2500 people it's Mm. it's it's crazy out there even though they've split it up some I mean, you have 1,600 or something age group men, all much denser than we used to be. So when it was 1,600 people and it was pros and women and men together and you know, men and women that qualified that weren't as high a caliber as they are now, it was much more spread out. Mm-hmm. Now you have 1,600 age group men mm-hmm. that are, you know, and it's a much tighter field. Yeah. So. It's it's definitely become an issue out there on the on mm. the course. Is, is it causing you to enjoy the race less? Uh, what causes me to enjoy the race less is is unfortunately the lack of respect people have out there. Okay. I'd say you know almost fifty percent of the pro uh, the age group men have no respect for their fellow competitors okay. in mm. the fact that they're just drafting their asses off. Yeah, yeah, and and it's horrible. Yeah. It, you know, it's this is supposed to be the world championships and. You know, you come here and you you do your best on your own effort, not not on the wheel of somebody else. Yeah. And I I've had groups as as many as eighty people pass me. Wow. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So your, your transition from pro to age group was that uh, was that hard for you in terms of um, I don't know. Some people say when pros go to age group, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair. How was that transition for you? Nah, I got my ass kicked, <laughs> and I and I've continued to do so. I, I, you know, I I am able to get in good enough shape to qualify. Yeah. And when I'm at the top of my age group, uh, you know, the older end of the age group, it's it's you know by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 not easy. <laughs> that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, when I get here, yeah, I mean the. You know, I just don't train enough to be able to compete mm. at do, do, this do, level. Because like, we've spoken to a few times over the years, and it's kind of a common theme: is that my, I'm just I'm working on a business. I have a great base of fitness. A few days of training kind of gets me there. Do you have a desire to actually give yourself a chance to to go hardcore again, or? Uh, you know, I I entered new age group this year, and I thought I was going to because I I actually with with cutting back, cutting back on. No, no, the uh, <laughs> cutting back on on uh, the number of races that we've done, yep. we uh, I, we had a little more time at home. Actually, I was home for ten weeks this summer, which is the longest I've been home since 1988. Wow! In a single stretch. Wow! But then I found out that what I wound up doing instead of triathlon training was I, I did a lot of functional training. You know, like digging holes and uh, <laughs> laying sod and uh, landscaping ties, cutting Housework. trees down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
knocking cabinets out of my kitchen and yeah. so so i i guess if i'm fit it's it's not necessarily from uh ex- ex- extra training it's from it's from yard work <laughs> so what, what's the motivation now in terms of when you're going out there you know what do you want to get out of the day it's it's obviously keeping that streak alive but what what actually motivates you during well the day? i mean this year if if i hold it together on the run i do have a chance for the top five in my age group mm, okay. being at the being at the, the very end, yeah. very younger end of the age group so i and and i've i have gotten two and three weeks of, of blocks of training that went pretty well um but then you know and then i lose two or three weeks when we go to an event so um I'm, it's it's just a matter of being consistent on the run i don't have to necessarily go fast i just with my swim and bike are pretty good and, then, and if i hold it together on the run then then i'll do okay how are you necking uh, I'm 54, but racing 55, 59. I turned 55 in December, so I am pretty much the youngest guy in the age group here. Yeah. And, and so, like you've pushed your body hard for 35, 40 years. Uh, how do you look after your body? Like, you know, look, like your body's done some work. Well, I, that's a, that's the one thing. A lot of the age group athletes, when they get upset about a pro coming into the age groups, they don't realize that. Uh, you know, a lot of the pros when they come into the age group fields, the, their bodies are already so beat up, yeah. and and they've put in so much work that you know they're they're just here because they enjoy the sport, mm. you know, and and they don't want to, they can't compete on the professional level anymore when they're 44 years old or something, mm-hmm. but the, that doesn't mean they unless should have Cameron to Brown. walk, <laughs> yeah, unless you're Cameron Brown, that's true, and Cameron Brown is still kicking everybody's butt, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know. Most of us mortals at 44. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is a, lo- a lot of the pros, th- they were making enough money, same with me, to get by and pay the bills. But, you know, at some point you want to retire in life. So uh, so we, here we are in our 40s and we got to make up basically for a lot of lost income. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you're you're putting in a lot of work, whereas a lot of age group athletes you know, set themselves up financially in their 20s, 30s, and early 40s. And by the time they're in their 50s, a lot of them are able to, you know, they, they have their own businesses that have middle management that kind of, and they can take half a day off during the week maybe to go out and squeeze in an extra workout or something. So so there, there's advantages the pros have because of that huge base that they have, but there's disadvantages in that their bodies are pretty beat up and, uh, you know, mentally, they've been going hard for so many years, whereas you get an age group athlete that comes in and, you know, they're five or six years into the sport, they're fresh into the sport, their legs aren't as beat up, their backs backs and necks aren't as beat up. Mm. Uh, but I've taken care of myself. I mean, um, I a lot of massage work. I Even when I was racing pro, I always took about two months off during the winter where I did very little training, mostly just did strength work to kind of help balance out imbalances Um, but actual you know triathlon specific training I'd usually take about two months off. How important is the the consecutive record to you like you know 35 years it's hard to imagine what year is it now 2018 so it's like imagine 35 years from now you're still doing this race you know like every year does it mean a lot to you and how important is it to continue it on and tell tell us about that side? you know, I don't want to get too freaked out by it, and it's something that I need to do. I don't want to feel like that's something that's forcing me to do something I don't want to do. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I still, you know, and that's what got me into the sport was my love of training. I came from a running background. You could only run so many hours a week yeah. or you get injured. And I started doing triathlons and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I can go out and train 30, 35 hours a week, mm. you know, between the three sports. This is great because that's what I love to do is train. And, you know, as I wind the business down a little bit and I have more time to train, I'm going to train more because that's, mm. that's the thing I love to do most in life, you mm. know. So uh, that's what motivates me more than anything. It's, it's nice to have a goal. I mean, you know, training, I love training, but I also like to have something that that training's pointing towards, but I don't need it, mm. you know. So if I didn't qualify for this race one year, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to train. I'd probably train just as much even if I wasn't doing this race. Mm. Um, any tips you've got for, you know, athletes that are, you know, this is going to be coming out after uh, coming out after Kona this year, but like for athletes who are looking to come here next year, what's your sort of advice other than uh, signing Joining, up with Endurance yeah. Sports Travel <laughs> and get, get all the advice over here? Anything else for, for people who are coming over to Kona in terms of recurring mistakes you see people make? Uh, as far as getting here or once well, one, when, when, when you're uh, yeah, here and then maybe to, afterwards to, uh, so so for someone that's already qualified for the event the, mm. I, I think probably the biggest mistake people make is they they overdo it uh, you know they've been trying for years say to qualify for Kona and now they're finally in and they uh, you know they they increase their training much more than what their bodies are are ready for mm. so you know you know, go look at what got you into the race, what, you know, the training that, that got you fit enough to qualify for this race. And, you know, maybe, you know, fix things that need to be fixed, but, but don't go overboard with, uh, oh my God, it's Kona, I got to do 20, 25% more than what I've done any time in my life. No, you mm -hmm. just, you know, keep the things that are working, fix the things that aren't working. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, if you if you do get a good training coming into the event, then the next thing is the taper. Mm -hmm. And the more consistent your training has been, the longer your taper can be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because you want your body to absorb all that training that you've done. And uh, so if you've been training hard for six or eight months, mm -hmm. you know, you can definitely give yourself, you know, a three-week taper or two-week taper at the minimum. You know, but probably three weeks if you've been been very consistent with your training to let your body absorb it all. Pretty much anything you do two weeks before the race is not going to help your race day as far as fitness. Um, if you don't come from a swimming background, jumping in the water and at least swimming every day will improve your technique. You can improve technique a lot in the last two weeks. You can't really improve your fitness. Any any gains in fitness that you get in the last two weeks are going to show up after the race. Mm. And the only thing that, that that hard training the two weeks before the race is going to do is, is make your muscles tired for race day. Mm. Mm. And what about course-specific advice? Anything specific for Kona? Uh, being careful about what, you know, your, uh, your wheel choice. Uh, you see a lot of people come out here with the 808s on the front or, you know, a head, a head deep on the front, you know, a 9. And uh, it's just, it's not worth it. If, if you get one of those bad days out there, you're fighting the whole time on the, you know, on the bike ride to control that front wheel. And then you're also, you know, so you're, you're using a lot of upper body energy. You're not focusing on getting your legs around on the, the cranks, you know. 
because you're scared and you're you're focused on on controlling the bike so um i i go with a, a head six front and back and just uh not worry about losing a tiny bit of aerodynamics and that's all you're losing uh if you wind up fighting the bike the whole time there's also a lot more road friction on your on your tire uh by because you're being pushed so much mm. so so the aerodynamic gain you're losing with friction mm. um and and you're just not enjoying the race as much mm. and then the uh, you know then the next thing would be nutrition on race day and pacing mm. you know so come into it with the right equipment uh come into it with a good taper and then on race day you know just if you ever feel like you're going too hard at some point during the race unless it's you know the last few miles of the run you probably are going too hard you you want to feel in control you i mean you've just had a two or three week taper so yeah when you get out there and you're at mile five on the bike of course your legs going to feel good you know but that doesn't mean you should be going two or three miles an hour faster than what you really should be you know you 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 got to think about the whole day so guys, make sure you check out endurancesportstravel.com uh, if you're looking at any races you want to do uh, around the world. They've always got fantastic packages, especially with some of the sold. You quite often have spaces with sold-out races. That's correct. Yeah, we still we still have a few races where we we get uh, entries. A lot of races aren't selling out as fast as they did, so we're not mm. doing that as much. But and you are doing the seventy point three world champs, aren't you? Yeah, we'll be in Nice. We already have seventy five rooms in three different hotels right along the transition area. Oh, cool. So. Oh, nice, good. nice is going to be because you've raced there a lot. It'll be a fantastic race, I'd imagine. <clears throat> yes, and I I've raced there seven or eight times back in the '80s, and then um, I've been a few times for the full with the group. Yeah. And then uh, Christina and I were just there in August uh, for about oh, ten days, mm. checking out the the course, getting the hotels, and and figuring out all the logistics uh, so things can go nice and smooth for next year. Just, just, just lastly, uh, state of the sport right now. Uh, I mean, the sport's still growing. It's, it's um, you know, whether it's Ironman or Challenge or, you know, uh, the ITU stuff. It's um, the the sport's definitely growing. Uh, it's I think um, we need to retain people more than anything. Uh, you know, when you go to an Ironman race and you see that. You know, race after race, 50% of the field are first-timers or something. It's like, how is that possible unless people are only doing one and then not coming back? So mm. I'd like to see people make it more of a lifestyle. So not jump into doing a full Ironman the first year or two of doing triathlons because I think that just burns them out, burns mm. their family out. Mm. You know, if, if, you, if you build up consistently over quite a few years and then decide you want to do an Ironman, you have a nice big base and you can go out and do you know 12 to 16 hours uh, 12 to 16 weeks of increased training and and do an ironman if you try doing it in the first year or two of doing triathlons you have to do so much training for you know five six months you and your family are both burned out by the end of it you know I would love talking to you, Ken. I know it's yeah. a highlight. When I run camps and we have like Melina and people like that along, <laughs> uh, people, that's part of the experience. And so, guys, if you want to come on uh, one of Ken's trips to many of the races at Endurance Sports Travel, you know, Ken might be there and he can tell you some stories like today. So thanks very much for your time. Yeah, and uh, and I know this will be after the fact this is coming <coughs> up, but hopefully you've had a fantastic 35, 35th race. Thank you very much. Take awesome. care, guys. Awesome, mate. Thanks. 
John, your thoughts? Yes, so Ken finished in 10 hours and 55 minutes and 39 seconds. So he didn't achieve that goal of uh, getting into sort of the top five, top ten, which is usually sabotaged by the amount of bloody work he does uh, around that event. Yeah, he's always, uh, he, always, he always looks so bloody tired, doesn't he? He put himself in contention uh, because he... Uh, swam a 101, so he was eighth uh, out of his age group. He biked 458, um, which had him ninth out of the age group, uh, and then only ran a four, well 447. That's not really running for somebody like Ken Glar. Uh, so he had himself in contention, but obviously struggled on the run. But still extremely noteworthy to do 35. Look, 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 imagine Ironman. anyone listening to this right now. Imagine you do your first Ironman this year. That means you're going to do it. And, and let's say you do the same race, so you do Ironman New Zealand or whatever race it is, that means you do the same race every year for the, till 2053. Unbelievable. It really is, isn't it? It's, it's, it will never be broken. Surely. No. Surely not. No. Just qualifying, that is, it's 35 times. So he's done 70 Ironmans. And half, so half of his races have been I mean, he's done more than that. Oh, okay. But that's, you know, every year he's going oh, to okay, do one yep, to qualify. Yep. yep. Plus a Kona, plus all the other Ironmans. He must have done over seven. 100 easily, surely. Easy. Yeah. yeah. What, a, what a legend. What a great man for our sport too. And it's, you know, it's really, it was really quite cool being in Kona. We were very fortunate to be a part of Aaron and Scott's kind of week. And it was just so cool. Like John Hellemans was there and, you know, these guys have grown up. And it's, it's well, to me, it was just one of those beautiful things about the sport. You've got these people who have just loved triathlon their whole life. They've had these cool life experiences and they've created these really life, lifelong connections through the sport and it's one of the great things that triathlon can bring to your life isn't it it is and you've also got to say well done to Ironman for bringing these people back into the sport because five or six years ago this was not happening you didn't see any hardly of the top pros over there now they're really working to get them all back I saw so many past champions over there and they were all being looked after by Ironman I saw Karen Smyers Michaeli Jones obviously Scott and Aaron Paul and Yubi Fraser um and the list goes on. Uh, they, they making. A, I saw Natasha Badman over there as well. Yeah, and, so yeah. doing a big effort to actually get them back, and that's something where they've been weak in the past. So again, you got to say for all the shit that we give them, they're doing a lot of stuff that we've been saying for a long time. Get on it, and they're listening. So good work. And I think Not that, that, us, no, I think there's a reason. Sorry. Well, it's the only reason they do okay. stuff because they listen to this. They go, oh, Bevan and John, they're right yeah. again. <laughs> Damn it, they're right again. John, are we doing Winger of the Week? Very quickly. Winger of the Week? Winger of the Week indeed. We've got uh, indeed. The females are on top of the Winger of the Week this week, which is great. Uh, Melissa Uri is the champion on total time, 23 nice. hours, 24 minutes. Total distance on top of that was Sonia Pippen with 523 kilometres. <gasps> and longest activity was Melissa Uri with 9 hours and 47 minutes. Nice one. Love your work, team. Uh, John Questions and answers, questions and answers. We do have one question and answer here, a bit of a story. Do you want to share it, John? Yes, I do, Bevan. I do indeed. So, Steve? We got this through from Steve. I think he sent us through how to pronounce his name. I think it's. Let me guess, let me guess. Doninius? No, I don't think you're even close. (laughs) I think it's Diodonis. Okay, I'm going to go with that. Steve, you know who you are. Anyway, (laughs) Steve recently went down to Santa Cruz 70.3 and had a bit of a funny story. So he woke up in the morning, heading down to the race, gets there nice and early, goes to transition and starts prepping his area. First thing I do is pump up my tyres to the proper level, spin through all my gears, but bike won't shift. Front derailleur won't shift, rear derailleur won't shift. 
Oh, no. In Santa Cruz, um, which is in Northern California, even in September it gets down to 40 to 45 degrees, 4 to 7 centigrade uh, at night. His SRAM ETAP batteries were dead. Oh, no. Panic. Oh, no. That is a problem nowadays with technology, isn't it? Big problem. So you're basically stuck in one gear for the entire race. Oh, no. His, my wife, who is my biggest supporter ever, had an idea to go home and get a charger. Uh, so she nipped home, came back. She even FaceTimed him when she was home to make sure she was getting the correct box she came back down they managed to get 20 minutes of charge into it before uh, he got into the water and he's sort of just hoping oh, I hope that at least lasts her a little bit um, when he actually got onto the bike and things warmed up batteries seemed to have gotten their charge back through the day as it warmed up similar to an iPhone you take an iPhone skiing and that thing flattens quicker than bloody anybody's business found that out uh, the hard way several times so once it warmed up he was back in the business but he had um, uh, but he, before the race, he'd been such in such a panic, he'd done 6,000 steps, steps tracked on his Garmin, so there was a bit of fatigue in his legs and a lot of stress. Uh, so he ended up not having the, the, the best day that he wanted, um, but still a 12-minute PR, so still pretty solid. So his lessons learned from this are, for all you people who've got you know DI2 or any of the, the, the other brands' um, electronic gears, make sure you charge your batteries up. Use the covers on your derailers and keep your batteries charging overnight. Purchase extra batteries. Yeah, that's like a photographer taking wedding photos. They always have like 100 batteries all charged because there's always going to be that one situation where that happens. Yes. Uh, lots of walking and stress and fatigue in the morning really does play into your play uh, down into your ability to push late in the race. One thing that he didn't put on there, because we could have had this as a high five, is make sure you've got an awesome wife who can go and run after you yeah. and sort you out. So, Steve, I hope you're giving plenty of love to your wife. Plenty of love, and not just love, but loving as well. John, do you want to do a quick Wanaka promo? No, no, you, you've written here about the Equibike, and um, I think it's so cool. I was talking to Bill, who actually coordinates the event, and they I don't know why they originally put it on, but he's just saying it's been really great having that race because a lot of people get injured or mm -hmm. they can't find a team partner and they only want to do a swim bike, and it's proven to be a really successful race. And what they do is they basically at Challenge Wanaka, which is now a half, they do a 3k swim and then a 120k bike ride. So nice distances, a little bit more to get your teeth into. Also, if you're going to do Ironman New Zealand, it's a great training day. Two, two or three weeks later, so a good, good training day. Uh, this year they've got John Knight, who's an ex-pro ex athlete. They've got Stephen Prescott, for the people that know him. He's a Masters World Record holder. I used to swim with him. He used to kick my oh, ass. Oh, really? Hard, hard ass. Like He's one of the guys... He was one of the guys, I'm sure he was in the lane, the initiation, you had to do the 50 metres underwater, and like if you couldn't do it, you weren't getting in the fast lane. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty harsh rule. Um, Glenn McClay, who's a former Commonwealth Games tracks uh, gold medalist, and good old Garth Barfoot, who's a legend in New Zealand. So if you want to get on the um, the, the Aquabite option down there, it's going to be the national champs as well. And I've actually... Uh, I've actually introduced uh, introducing Aquabike option to pretty much all the events that I do as well because the Opens president of our tri club said uh, we've got a few people who want to do Aquabike and I said well it's no problem to just yeah. for me to tack it on and for if you're an event organizer it opens up those people that can't run for whatever reason and you just do the swim bike and they just run up and finish under the finish arch. And one thing they've done really caught Wanaka so this year's Challenge Wanaka Aquabike 2019 will be hosting the national championships and prizes are up for grab. The winning female and male with will each receive $2,500 towards accommodation and travel uh, for the World Championships, which are happening in Spain. So pretty good stuff, eh? 
It's very good. Yeah. And that's Garth Barfoot. He basically sponsors that. He is a big, uh, he's very good in terms of his philanthropy uh, in triathlon yeah. in New Zealand. So good on him. So guys, check it out, challengemonica.com if you want to do a bit of uh, aqua biking as well as the, well, instead of the half. Okay, John, we've got a new patron. We have. Patrons. Dana Kalper, currently living in Philadelphia. You th- start thinking of a name while I do this. Kalper. She's a PA and a proud member of the T3 Philly Triathlon Club and Team Zoot. She's 37 years old and has been doing triathlons for about five years now and completed 340.6s and 870.3s, planning on Ironman Lake Placid next year, and I'm equal parts excited and terrified. I got into triathlon to be a healthier version of myself. I gave up drinking and smoking and have not looked back since. So did that guy who wrote that article in the Irish Times or whatever it was a little yeah, while ago. Yeah, what do you know, mate? Here's somebody who's yeah, you know, improving yeah, their yeah, life. in your face. <laughs> Today, my only vice is the donut, rather donuts. I come from a swimming background and I'm currently desperate to improve my run. I spend the majority of my day, day my life doing whatever I could to get out of running and that tends to show in my races. I work for a company that puts on gigantic corporate events and do not have to be at work until 9.30-10am which makes training so much easier. So Bevan? What about Dana, the dangerous deliverer? The dangerous deliverer. (laughs) Because she works for a company that delivers big events, Mm -hmm. so that kind of works, but she's also dangerous as a racer. Fantastic. You like that? I do. You happy with that one? Okay, yes. good. Okay, good. That's one. Okay, we've also got Tony Weeks here. And he's got a long train running. And he's got, here's the ball slapping picture of 2017 Ironman Wales that qualified me for Kona this year. I last raced in Kona in 2015 and with a 9.56. I've been racing IM and ITU distance, long distance since 2014. And this year's Kona will be my sixth Ironman. I coach half a dozen local triathletes. And you go to www.coretriathlete.com. Uh, tri- triathlon, sorry, .com and have hit my goal of coaching two of them to Kona 2019 qualification. Well done. Uh, I've listened to the show since 2012 and I'm a, a invaluable source of information, motivation and entertainment. Just keep you guys going. Uh, so I'm not sure if we gave um, Tony a nickname in the past. I think Long Train Running. That does sound like some sort of crappy nickname we'd give. Yeah, well, I'm thinking that the... the um, See the long train running and it's about to disappear without love. <laughs> Where would you be now? I thought I was thinking that must, must have come from there. It must have come from there. Now we actually met Tony over in yeah, uh, he's a nice Kona. guy. Yeah. So and I did check, look up Tony's time, and he did beat his nine fifty six. He did a nine fifty five. Well done. So you he smashed it, mate. Did work. do that? I think I got that right. Look so we give him a new nickname. No, we'll stick with long train running, Tony. Okay, long train running, and, and all the yeah, good. Okay, I'm just checking at the website, coretriathlon.com. It's uh, if you, yeah, there we go. He's got good members. He's got coaching. He's got. Someone got a cool core outfit running down the finishing line. Um, Last one, Mark Jones, who we also met over in Kona. Oh, Mark, Mark Jones. Richard Jones. Mark we did an interview Jones. with him as Mark well. Jones, now, he travels all over the bloody place. He hardly can stay in okay, one okay. spot here, here for, we go for two Mark. Here we go for Mark. Um, uh, the, the obvious spy. The obvious spy. Yeah, because the thing about him is his life very much looks like a spy's life. Yes. And so he's probably not a spy, but we're going to say yeah, the obvious spy. Yeah. yeah. So, yep, there we go. So... 
We'll call him, no, actually, what do we call him? Double O nine. 9 Double O nine. So, Mark, Double O nine, James. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, that is Mark Jones. If you want to be a patron of the show, just go to dub, dub, dub. I am Talk Top Me. It's all very obvious on the website. There's a patron page, um, and you can be like Mike Pizzle Snizzle. Yes. Um, come along and join the boys in Kona in 2020, and it's going to be an exciting race that year because we'll be there. So, there you go. Um, dub, dub, dub. I am Talk Top Me. John sponsors Extreme Endurance, your lactic buffer, and our patrons. And just because dub dub dub, I am talk dot me. Again, if you want to get the show emailed to you, if you go to I am talk dot me, it's on the front page. Just put your information in there, and each week when I release the show, we just send an email out to you so you know when it's come out. Uh, if you want to become a patron, we've already talked about that. If you want to get some coaching from an amazing coach called Coach John Newsom, you go to coachjohnnewsom.com. Plus, if you want to do one of his camps, which ones are coming up, John? We've got uh, Kona coming up next May. So I've got a couple of spots starting to fill up for that camp. Amazing experience. And then if you're a bit more hardcore and a bit more towards the front of the pack, then uh, we've got a camp going through France next day. July. Those are one kind of side of the life-changing the experiences other. they are. So yeah, yeah check jump on them. Uh, my latest podcast is out. Go to bevanjamesos.com and that's my fitness podcast. And if you want to send us through some content or websites or other feedback, just go to e- email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? I've got to say, there's got to be a few age groupers um, that you've, people have got to nominate that have either had study performances or made it to Kona. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you start firing through. My goss, Bevan, it's gone from daylight to dark since we've started recording. Stars Beautiful view out. out of your new windows. Haven't been up here at night before. Right. Uh, in terms of my goss, Bevan, as I said, had a few Nerf War battles today. It was a public holiday, so I worked about half the day and took half the day off. I worked all day because I'm going away tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I'm still so working. I started working at bloody four o'clock this morning. Crazy. Poor me. Poor you. Uh, any other goss? Um, I watched The Godfather at the weekend. I've, you know what? It's meant to be one of the greatest movies of all time. What do you think? It was good. Yeah? Wouldn't say it's the greatest of all time, but I, I enjoyed watching it. And but I, I think it's one of those things where before that moment, there was nothing like that. Mm. And then after that moment, there's so many things like that, it's diminished the value of that. Mm. So like you think of The Matrix. The Matrix was a kind of... Kind of changed movies after the fact and like Star Wars you know before that moment you might have had 2001 but 2001 is more of a kind of deeper thing now you, after that fact so if you didn't see it at that moment you maybe don't appreciate it you mm-hmm. know yeah so that no, was good other than that Bevan um, enjoying getting back into training getting my athletes nice and fit and starting to get myself a little bit fitter as well so uh, yeah been a good week Pretty so, jo- so John and I we went to uh, Waikiki Berlin went shopping for the day, mm-hmm. and we thought we'd oh, go yeah. running. We'd go running up Diamond Head, so we went yeah. running up Diamond Head, <laughs> and it was quite funny actually because you go running up Diamond. You, one thing you got to say about Americans, and we were talking about this, the Americans are the most lovely people because John and I we run up Diamond Head. It's a beautiful. If you haven't done it and you're in Waikiki for a day, it's a pretty cool run, isn't it? Very nice. Pretty, pretty, pretty congested. You probably but, want to do it first thing in the morning. Yeah, it's but pretty hot. But people were pretty, you know, pretty fair. With the steps, that was pretty challenging, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, you couldn't look up. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Bevan go. Bevan would keep dropping me on the steps, not majorly, but oh, yeah. Five I, I, did, <laughs> I said I couldn't look up, I couldn't see where you were because if I did, I was going to fall over. Yeah, it was, it was pretty really steep. So, and all the Americans, you go past them, and there was, you know, people who were really struggling just to get up the hill, and they go, "Good job, good on you," you know. Yeah, they were they were really all really positive about us running up there. So we get down there, and you've got to run through this tunnel to get through to Diamond Head. So we're running through this tunnel to get through Diamond Head, and they've got a cars and a very kind of narrow lane that you have to walk through to get through it and we're running through and cars are coming and stuff and there's this couple who are walking in the opposite direction and you kind of have us running at them and we couldn't couldn't really share the lane (laughs) so kindly what they did is they really pushed themselves up against the wall we go past them and I say, I say thanks. I say thanks as well. 
John Newsom lets out this massive fart right next to them. <laughs> that was a, that was one that just slipped out. <laughs> it wasn't a slipper. It, it was, was a bombarder. Yeah. <laughs> it was, a, it was like literally as we went past them. John just. <laughs> I was, wasn't concentrating and I was like, hi. Oh, oh, it was a shocker. And then I just couldn't stop laughing. So they must have been <laughs> me laughing, running away from them. They probably think we planned it. Let's get them when we go past. Oh, I've got a new nickname for John and I'm sure anyone who trains with him because he just farts the whole time. So I'm sure... Good old the Philanator and everyone you go running yeah. with. Who's the, who's the guy who's doing uh, uh, Auckland? Tyrone. Tyrone. Porridge pants. That's my <laughs> new nickname for Newsom because cause it ain't clean farts either. It's just a sloppy farts. Well, pretty, that was a pretty that was a pretty sweaty. Oh, that was that was that was. Well, you there. sweated over some poor old lady. <laughs> yeah, so we're running down Diamond Head, and it was quite narrow, and you're kind of trying to duck past people, and we were pretty sweaty, weren't we? Yeah. And I'm sweating. I brushed past this lady, and I just said my arm was sweet, and I just heard her go. Ooh, yuck! <laughs> <laughs> she just got covered in your sweat. Oh, it was good times. So there you go. Dope. So that's us for this week. Um, we're going to be back next week. I am actually heading away. I'm going to Amsterdam in LA. John, here's another funny story. The Dodgers have made the the Super Bowl, or not Super Bowl, the World Series of Baseball final. Yeah, and I'm going to be Series of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, World Series of America. No <laughs> dig there. Um, and so I'm going to be in LA when it's on. Mm. So I thought to myself. Why I've got to spare twenty thousand dollars. Well, go. I did think to myself, why don't you? Why don't you see if you can get a ticket? Guess how much the entry level tickets for a World Series of you know these are the cheap seats, probably in the worst place in the house. Well, what do you reckon I'll pay? Well, I heard that now that LA Lakers tickets to the basketball minimum price is fifteen hundred dollars just to a game because now they've got LeBron James. That can't be right. That's what they said on the news last night. It's not Maybe for one but game, but not every game. Anyway, I, that's what I thought that was a bit, yeah. a bit steep. Uh, lowest price to go to the World Series baseball. US? $2,000. Oh, no, you're dreaming, mate. <laughs> 700 but still. <laughs> but 700 for your yeah. cheap seats. They must make so much money off those games. Because what do you reckon, 50,000 people there? Easy. Yeah. And then your, your minimum price is 700 Wait a second, let me just pull up the calculator here. Do your maths. So, okay, 700 And that's the cheap seats. So it's going to be actually more than that times 50000 That's $35 million in just your ticket sales. Nice work. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Mm. That's pretty... Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.